One of the big stories over the last two years has been Americans that are angry, they're stuck. They can't renounce U.S. citizenship. They're living overseas and they can't make that change. I'm gonna share with you one story right now and tell you what's really going on. Hi, I'm Andrew Henderson. This is Nomad Capitalist, where we help seven and eight figure entrepreneurs and investors legally go where you're treated best. And I'm going to tell you before we start this discussion on Americans' inability to renounce citizenship, which, by the way, is a creation of the media. It's a creation of people who want to inspire fear. There are ways to renounce citizenship. It may not be as convenient. It may not be as easy to find, but there are ways to do it right now. And so in that regard, I'm actually going to side, in some regard, with the U.S. government. I'm going to read you an article from The Guardian, a newspaper that hates residents and citizenship by investment, or a newspaper that hates your ability to have options. I'm surprised they even cover this, quite frankly, because they really want you to stay and, and pay high taxes and be stuck. But the article from The Guardian, this came out a little while ago, called Americans Seeking to Renounce Their Citizenship Are Stuck With It For Now. As many as 30,000 citizens living abroad, and that number is probably higher, have been unable to secure a loss of nationality interview during the pandemic. And I wanted to share this with you now that in the United States, you just had the State of the Union address. The pandemic is, uh, is allegedly over. We're on to new things. Um, and yet we don't really see a wholesale opening of U.S. embassies to take renunciation appointments. It'll be interesting to see what happens in coming weeks and months. But those of us who followed this kind of stuff realized that the U.S. government started out charging zero to renounce, then it was 450, then it was 2,350. You almost start to think, as I've been saying recently, that events are used by the government. Tragic events, no doubt, events that are really happening. There is a pandemic, no doubt. Uh, but that event has been used by the government, who continues to run embassies, who continues to do all kinds of government business, who continues to pay everyone who works there. Hey, maybe this is a reason to stop providing services that we don't really want to provide. 30,000 people are estimated to uh, be unable to get into a U.S. embassy for an interview. Here's the article. In recent years, Michael has come to regard the United States, a nation of which he has been a citizen all his life, as an abusive parent. We've talked about that before. This is emotional. People think it's just about taxes. You guys don't want to pay taxes. It's about being told, even if you don't live in the country, you've got to follow all these different rules because you carry our passport. You carry, if you want to get extreme, our slave card. We own you. I can acknowledge, Michael says, my past association with that person while at the same time wanting to keep future association to a minimum, he said. Very powerful stuff. Michael, his name is false, as he requested anonymity to avoid being inundated with hate mail. You can send your hate mail to me. Uh, we get play. <laughs> Found his dissatisfaction with his native country reached crunch point in 2020. The chaotic end of Donald Trump's presidency, combined with the inequities exposed by the COVID pandemic, made him despair of being an American. The coronavirus made me realize that in the U.S., if you're not a member of the money elite, you're left to fend for yourself with virtually no help from the federal government, he said. The farcical presidential campaign made me realize that I don't want to be a member of a society in which my vote is made irrelevant by gerrymandering or the electoral college. So there's a political aspect here for Michael, and certainly he's entitled to believe what he wants. But so Michael decided to renounce his U.S. citizenship. Uh, having moved to Finland 10 years ago, he would break the ties that officially bound him to a country whose values you long, no longer recognize. I have heard, our team has heard, more and more people from the U.S., and now from Canada and Germany and Australia and New Zealand and others, UK also, saying, I don't recognize my country anymore for numerous different reasons. I don't believe they'll keep me safe. I don't believe they care about me. 
And most importantly, I never thought Andrew would be calling you five years ago. I thought, and I started watching it three years ago, this guy's a little nuts. Now I see it. I don't recognize my country and I know they won't be there for me. Some people will take this ultimate step of wanting to cut their ties. Others will, will, will merely build the infrastructure that enables them to do that if they ever so choose in the future. But this is when Michael's troubles really began, the article uh, says. He discovered that along with thousands of other U.S. citizens living abroad, he was caught in a trap. For almost two years since the pandemic uh, began in March of 2020, most U.S. consular missions around the world have suspended their expatriation services for those wishing to give up U.S. citizenship. The process is you generally want to go through two appointments. Embassies have done it differently. You've occasionally had an embassy that lets you do it in one appointment. You've occasionally had an embassy where you can do one appointment by phone and then do the second appointment in person. They all kind of set their parameters. But what happened at the beginning of the, the pandemic was more of a uniform approach to Here's how you need to do it. And by the way, shut down the services. Embassies were still open. Embassies were still performing some services. They weren't accepting citizenship appointments. The U.S. Embassy in London, the article says, the largest of the sort in Western Europe, announces on its website that it is currently unable to accept appointments for loss of nationality applications and is unable to say when services resume. That's the problem here. Okay. The U.S. State Department says giving up citizenship requires a face-to-face -face interview with a government official and that it's too risky during the coronavirus. And if you've ever been to a U.S. Embassy, you know you're between the thickest piece of glass you can possibly imagine with a little hole that you kind of talk to and you slide your documents through. I don't know how anyone was getting sick before the situation. You're not you're just talking to someone up close and personal. They're not sitting next to you at a desk. They're behind glass. Obviously, that wasn't for a pandemic, but I don't see why it couldn't be used for a pandemic. And if it can't be used during a pandemic, why don't we adjust the approach that we take to allow people to, to renounce their citizenship? If that's the goal, is to allow people to choose their destiny in life, if the goal is to allow your citizens, who you're supposed to be working for, to do what they want, including the ultimate step of deciding they don't want to be your citizen anymore, why should anything get in the way of doing that? And so delays have led to a growing mountain of disgruntled citizens. By some calculations, there may be as many as 30,000 people among the estimated 5 to 9 million U.S. citizens living abroad who would like to begin the renunciation process but can't. The 9 million number is perhaps close to what it is but a little bit low. The 30,000, I, I think, is largely gathered by some alleged kind of waiting list or people who want to be on a waiting list. I believe that if, if you focus only on the Western world, 30,000 may be the number. If you focus on people such as myself who aren't living in Finland where they have a job, aren't living in London, aren't living in Switzerland, always another one, aren't living in Canada is another big one, where this is a story that's talked about. You know, the, the, the American living in Bali or the Philippines or Colombia or Paraguay, that person's not talked about as much. And I doubt many of them are on this list. I think the number is probably much higher. And lawyers that I work with believe the number is also much higher. Joshua Grant is one of them. He was born and raised in Selma, Alabama until he moved to Germany when he was 21 to learn the language. He's been there ever since. He lives in Lower Saxony and married a German citizen last year. Grant, age 30, feels ready to acquire German citizenship, but under German law, at least for now, he must let go of his U.S. passport. Easier said than done. So now he wants to be German, the idea that the U.S. theoretically supports. They allow, they tolerate, rather, dual citizenship. He can't even become German. He can't even get that to secure potential rights for where he lives. He's not avoiding taxes. He's paying a boatload of taxes living in Germany. He submitted a pile of paperwork to the U.S. Embassy in July of 2020. Nothing has happened. Remember, he's still paying. Now, he's probably not paying much because he lives in Germany. He's probably paying everything to Germany. But they're supposed to work for him, and potentially they are collecting some money off of him. And depending on 
some situations, maybe if he holds cryptocurrency long term, he may have to pay something to the U.S. that he wouldn't otherwise pay to Germany. They're collecting his money. He's filing a tax return. They're requiring him to comply with their laws. But yet, when it comes time for them to lift a finger, they won't do anything. He's written emails to embassy staff with no reply. He contacted the office of his U.S. senator from Alabama. They passed him on to the State Department, which in turn passed him back to the Bureau of Consular Affairs, which mentioned the pandemic. This pandemic has been the greatest excuse for bureaucrats to not do their job, which is all the more reason why you need a second citizenship, all the more reason why you need infrastructure, that if your country doesn't serve you, you can cut them out. Why are you going to pay 40 or 50% of your income? Why are you going to pay on capital gains? In some cases, no matter where you live in the world, why are you going to pay them? Why are you going to be subject to their regulations? Why are you going to let one country decree where you can travel, where you can live, what you can do, what kind of business you run? Why are you going to do that? When it comes time to serving you, they don't do the job you've paid them to do. Citizenship is supposed to be a right. It's supposed to be a benefit. It is not. It has become a system where we oppress people who only have one, and that's why two is one and one is none. That is my new motto. It's very taxing. My whole life in Germany is on hold, he says. It's funny. People in Germany tend to see that the U.S. is a liberal country where the rule of law is established, but I can't find anyone in the U.S. government to talk to. Nine U.S. citizens abroad who have found themselves unable to give up their nationality are now suing the State Department in a federal court in Washington. Yeah, listen, if you couldn't renounce, and let's say that you were building a business, and you couldn't renounce, and you get yourself in a position where, oh, you've got to pay an exit tax now that you wouldn't have had they been doing their jobs behind thick glass. Yeah, that seems to me like reason. Uh, hey, I was ready. I had all the procedures ready to go. You guys couldn't help me. You couldn't do your jobs. So the suit brought in the uh, plaintiff's behalf by a French-based group, Association of Accidental Americans, likens the situation to feudal times. Now, the Association of Accidental Americans is basically helping Europeans who may have been born in the U.S. They never realized they were U.S. citizens and they have lives in Europe. It's not necessarily the same group as nomad capitalists. But they say the U.S. appears intent on preventing their citizens from exercising the natural and fundamental right to voluntarily renounce their citizenship. Listen, if you want to shame me, if you want to shame other people who have publicly renounced, like Eduardo Saverin of Facebook fame, Chuck Schumer gets up on the U.S. Senate floor and shames a guy for making a decision. He didn't want to live in the U.S. anymore. He wasn't even born there. He made the decision to leave because you weren't giving him uh, anything for all the money he was paying. He didn't want to live in your country, and he made the most fundamental choice to choose his identity. You want to shame him, you want to shame me, you go right ahead. But it is a fundamental right of people to be able to choose where their citizenship is. And as I've always said, people think, oh, it's just about avoiding taxes. The U.S. government has become an abusive entity that takes advantage of its citizens, provides nothing in return while demanding everything from you, subjects you as if you are basically a slave, a... a a property of the government, you'll never get what you need. They make sure you do at the point of uh, enforcement. They make sure that you uh, serve them. They don't serve you. And so when you decide, I don't want to be in an abusive relationship, oh, it's because you don't want to pay taxes. The taxes are the salt in the wound. The taxes are the insult to injury. And sure, people can save a lot of money renouncing their citizenship in some cases. Allegedly, Eduardo Saverin just did just that, saved hundreds of millions of dollars. You know what? There's plenty of people who don't renounce citizenship to save hundreds of millions of dollars because they view it as valuable. So, so what? If he decides, I don't want to live here anyway, I might get out while I can save a couple bucks, good for him. Uh, I'm not going to begrudge him for doing that. He didn't want to live there. And so the article goes on, talks about FATCA, talks about how the U.S. is one of only two countries that taxes people. Hey, if you can't give up your Argentina citizenship, if you can't give up your Iranian citizenship, 
that may be negative. There may be some occasional consequences, but they're not chasing you around and saying, oh, for the two years that we didn't bother to take you, uh, hey, please keep sending in your tax bill. Now, let me tell you my experience. Uh, our experience here is there are still embassies that are open. There have been pretty much the entire time. There, there was a time that it was rough, and there are some that are open now. If you are an employee, which is generally who people like The Guardian are talking to, yeah, you're going to have a harder time because you probably think, hey, I live in Switzerland, let me go to the one in Switzerland. You've got to be more creative these days, uh, and you've got to find the ones that are open. And there are some that have done a good job of being flexible. Some are open but slow, some are open and fast. There are some that uh, they do a good job. Now, my personal experience was not during the pandemic. I, I want to say this in favor of the U.S. government because this is, I, don't, I want to be very fair here. My experience was nothing but professional. I got immediate response to my emails. They offered me to come in anytime I wanted. They were extremely flexible. They were extremely empathetic. My experience was nothing but professional. I have nothing bad to say about the experience whatsoever. And quite frankly, by the way, uh, I, I left at the time when they were starting to speed things up. Once you go through the process, our experiences were seeing that people are going through uh, relatively quickly. I mean, they're not dragging their feet the way they might have uh, a handful of years ago. And so there are some things that are improving. There are some embassies that are open. The challenge is, and I think it's very much what we talk about here, you've got these kind of legacy brand countries where the U.S. Uh, embassies kind of follow this, this culture of we don't owe you anything. You go to some of the smaller embassies, they're going to be more open to helping you. But if you're going to Switzerland or Canada or the UK, they're going to just kind of take that hubris that's associated with being there. And those, that's why I think that they're more likely to make people wait in line, establish waiting lists, um, just close down for good using these excuses. So there are some embassies out there that are cooperative. But you know, for me, this just shows the great unfairness. You know, it's one thing to tell people, and I've, I've been very clear. You want to live in the U.S., you're going to pay U.S. taxes. You can move to Puerto Rico, that's in the U.S. You can move to the U.S. Virgin Islands. You can do different things. But if you're going to live in the mainland U.S., that comes with certain consequences. You can vote. I don't think voting is going to change anything. And even when you elect a guy like Donald Trump or George W. Bush, they lower your taxes by a few percentage points. You're still paying some of the highest tax rates in the world. And unlike European citizens, you're practically getting nothing for that money. But if that's what you want and you accept that deal, that is the deal that you're making by living in the U.S. And I think people should just accept that and stop complaining about it. Uh, is it fair? No. But that's what it is. You're choosing to live there. That's the government. If you, if you claim to believe in this great American democracy that people who live in the U.S. claim in, well, you're getting the system that you want. And it comes with high taxes. But if you don't want to live in the U.S., uh, then I don't believe you should have to pay. But again, I'm not in charge. The U.S. has put together a system based on years of jingoism and convincing people it's the best place to be, to where if you're one of the nine million, no one's going to come out and defend you. No one's going to come out and say you shouldn't pay. In fact, you know what? You see politicians in countries like Canada saying, that's a pretty good idea. Why should you have the privilege of being Canadian and not paying? It's essentially becoming a mafia, these Western governments. If you want to have our tattoo, you're going to pay tribute. And so I see that as a disturbing trend why not just Americans want a second passport to have protection to where they can exit at any time. But quite frankly, if you're thinking of exiting, I think that it's generally a situation where you want to fast track that to get comfortable with being overseas, get comfortable with having the infrastructure. I'm helping a lot of people create infrastructure to where they have places to go, places to put their money, places where they feel good, all of that, so they can be able to make an informed decision. Because this kind of stuff is only going to be more difficult. I've talked about how second passports are going to become more difficult. That's going to be the next thing where it's going to be hard just getting a citizenship. 
with which you can renounce because they're going to start cutting down the options in the wake of the pandemic, in the wake of Russian oligarchs, in the wake of everything else. You're going to have fewer options to be able to create that infrastructure in the first place. But if you, once you have the infrastructure in place, I think it's, it's important to, to come to a decision. If you want to be a U.S. citizen and you're willing to, to deal with whatever that comes with, then I think it's a great decision. I'm not telling people to renounce, but if you're thinking of renouncing because of any of the reasons why people renounce, I think that generally sooner is better than later. Um, and I'm sure that many people watching aren't even thinking for tax reasons. Um, I think there's a lot of drama that comes with being a U.S. citizen that if you don't want to live in the U.S., may not be worth it when you can get plenty of other passports. But you want to get your passports before some of those options get cut off. Uh, you know, I think it's important to realize what they're doing here. It'll be interesting to see, and we'll report back if you leave a comment, on what happens in the coming months. Are they going to start reopening? Uh, as the world gets back to normal. Are they going to resume these services or is it going to be something that they continue to drag their feet on? That will be interesting to watch. Don't stop now. We've got well over a thousand more videos here on YouTube for you to watch and learn how to go where you're treated best. And if you want to work with Nomad Capitalist personally, go to nomadcapitalist.com apply. Learn about our unique tried and true process. Garnered over years of experience and learn how you can become our client.